Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? Welcome to WGN Radio Theater. Special three-hour presentation. And your hosts, Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, a little late start. It is 12.08 here on... The WGN, WGN Radio, Radio Theater, Theater. <laughs> program 444. So a I bunch of fours. You, I thought maybe you forgot the name of the show no, for a No, 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 no. We've got Ashley Bihan producing, so oh, we're yeah. so excited. What's Thank up, you Ashley? so much, Ashley. Hello, I'm excited. I almost brought you guys cookies, but oh. my mom talked me out of it. I'm on a strict diet. You have to talk to your mom. <laughs> she was like, no, you can't bring the cookies because the platter's not clean. You can't serve it on like a weird-looking platter. She's like, you have to have a cute platter. So the next time I work with you guys, I'm bringing you cookies on like a cute platter. Well, we don't want cookies unless they're on the cute platter. Right. I'm okay. just like, what the heck? It's very mom. important. That's a very mom thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm on a strict diet. No more cookies for me. I'm telling you, if I don't do something about my uh, belly, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not going to be able to reach the microphone over here. It's okay. not good. Okay, that'll be a problem. I'm not happy Well, I'm all. here. What do I need you for? <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, it's program 444. We uh, only have two hours tonight, but next Saturday, folks, next Saturday, we start our new hours. So excited. We're on from 10 p.m., so an hour earlier than usual, all the way to 3 a.m., five straight Great hours on Saturday night moving into Sunday morning. Right. We're smushing Saturday and Sunday all into one big night, Saturday night. So we hope you'll be with us for our our inaugural show, Saturday night. Yeah. And you know what? It's going to be really special. We were on five hours, three hours on Saturday, two hours on Sunday. No more show on Sunday. But we have five straight hours on Saturday. I said that. Well, I said it too. It's only good the first time. Okay. (laughs) But in this uh, two-hour edition of the WGN Radio Theater, we have two Christmas shows. We're going to start things off with a Sherlock Holmes broadcast from 1955 with Sir John Gielgud as Holmes and Sir Ralph Richardson as Watson in the Blue Carbuncle. It's a Christmas episode. Then Fibber McGee and Molly from Christmas Eve of 1940. So going way back to 1940 for Christmas show on Fibber McGee and Molly. So lots and lots of fun. Stick around for the next couple hours but first we have cats pride presents guess that song we are going back to 1960 so this is going to be very exciting yeah you know a little bit for us we weren't even born yet i know but we know these songs okay so if you're a big fan of 1960 songs or you just want to win a lou malnati's gift card you should call right now at 312-981-7200 we are looking for caller number six call right now and we'll be right back Guess that song. Hey, Dan, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so glad you made it through. Carl's here, too. Hi, Dan. Hey, Carl. You don't sound like you could have been around in 1960, Dan. Am I right? (laughs) Not quite. I didn't think so. (laughs) But but luckily, I think these are famous enough songs that you're going to recognize them. Okay, we're going to do the first one right now. Oh. Do you know that one? Is that like the twist? Yes. Come on, baby. It is. It's the twist. Chubby Chucker. Let's hear a little bit more. He got it. Way to go, Dan. Hey. Come on, baby. Okay. Right? So Chubby Checker explained it. 
as uh, the Chubby twist. Carl, you mean? No, Chubby Chucker oh, Carl okay. explained it as it's like putting out a cigarette with both feet and coming out of a shower and wiping your bottom with a towel to the beach. Okay, so, <laughs> so you'll think of Chubby Checker next time you get out of the bathtub <laughs> or the shower. Okay, let's try song number two. There you go. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I know, that was a, that was a tough a tough intro. What's Carl think? I think that uh, the you know, first the one was the twist. You didn't hear the voice. First one was the twist. You didn't hear the voice. <laughs> who, who, think of the the biggest male voice from 1960s. Lou Rawls. Try again. Lou Rawls. Try again. Oh. Come on. Um, who, what's the biggest male voice in the 60s? Um, I don't know. Spent Elvis. a lot of time. There you go. Spent a lot of time really? in Vegas. Let's hear it. Sure is. It's difficult without hearing the voice. Get up in the morning, feeling mighty weak. The tossing and a turn. Well, I ain't had no sleep, oh baby. What roads all I've taken? So this is Elvis Presley's song called I Gotta Know. And this is something interesting, Carl, really? that you will like about this. This song was released on the B-side mm-hmm. of Elvis's number one hit, Blue Are You Lonesome? Shoes? No, Are You Lonesome Tonight? <laughs> but <laughs> you've got everything My wrong. My theme song. You've got everything are you lonesome today? But the reason that's mostly interesting is because um, Dan Carl has mentioned before how he was introduced to some classic radio shows as being on the flip side yeah. of, a, of a cassette, right? And right. so sometimes you, you learn, you listen. Anyway, Dan, you are awesome. You are the winner of a Lou Malnati's gift certificate for $25. Lou Malnati's is home of Chicago's best deep dish pizza, our favorite. Find one of their 40-plus Chicagoland locations or order online at loumalnati's.com or just invite us over and have a pizza. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Spinach. Right. <laughs> okay. Thank, thanks so much, thanks, Dan. Dan. It's great you. talking to you. All right. Thanks, Dan. We have a uh, text in line. It is 312-981-7200. We love getting your texts. We absolutely love it. Thank you so much for your text. And again, just to remind everybody, our new schedule starts next Saturday. We'll be on at 10 p.m. Uh, tonight, we've got two hours, but a great two hours. So stay with us tonight. Absolutely right. We are uh, here on WGN every Saturday night beginning next week at 10 p.m. Five straight hours. And we are so very, very grateful to be here for five hours every Saturday. I know you there's know been it. a lot of changes, but we're, we're very, very happy to very be here. Very happy. All right. Well, we're going to start things off with a Christmas episode of Sherlock Holmes. You know, Sherlock Holmes, Lisa, was on the air from 1930 all the way into the mid-50s. Think about that. So 1931 is one of the earliest radio shows that was sort of dramatized, and uh, all the way to 1955. Now, we have aired, like, the Basil Rathbone, um, Sherlock Holmes episodes. We've aired Tom Conway as Sherlock Holmes. We've aired John Stanley as Sherlock Holmes. We have never aired one with John Gielgud as Holmes and Ralph Richardson as Watson. We're going to do that now. All right, we just uh, we just got a bunch of these in our uh, in our collection. So this is from March 13th, 1955. Even though it is not a Christmas date, it is a Christmas themed show. And I was going to say make sure to text in and let us know what you think of this great show. All right, it's called The Blue Carbuncle. Here is part 1 now of The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes.
The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The original and immortal stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, dramatized anew with Sir Ralph Richardson as Dr. Watson and Sir John Gielgud in the role of Sherlock Holmes. in our London of the 1880s. With a sparkle round the gaslights and a glow on the hurrying passers-by laden with mysterious parcels. With candled shop windows heaped with toys. With tinkling hansoms hastening past. With a million tall trees and a million tall drawing rooms. Christmas. And in the glow and glory of it, I called at Baker Street to see my old friend Sherlock Holmes. Compliments of the season, Holmes. Eh, who? What, who's that? Compliments of the season, Holmes. Oh, Watson, it's you. Good evening, how'd you do? Well, I, I must say that's a cute cold greeting for the time of year. But don't you believe in the Christmas spirit? Yes, yes, of course I do, my dear fellow. It's only that I'm profoundly engaged. My mind was elsewhere. Uh, close the door, Watson, and come in. There's a confounded din from the street. Yes, that's much better. Uh, sit down, won't you? Oh, of course, if you're engaged, Holmes, I'd better not stay. I'd still have some visits to make to my patients. No, 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 of course. You know how glad I always am to have you, old friend, to discuss my problems with. Now, help yourself to a whiskey and soda, Watson. Oh, thank you. And just tell me what you think of that. Think of what? That. Hanging on the back of the chair there. I've been contemplating it for the last half hour. It's, uh, it's only a hat. A, a simple, hard, black hat. Just so. You best sit down with me by the fire and tell me all about it. And I'll brew some punch. Excellent, excellent, Watson. You know where everything is, of course. And meanwhile... I'll tell you the tale of this hat, and I ask you to consider it, Watson, not as a battered old billycock, but as an intellectual problem. Well, let me find the nutmeg grater first, and I'm ready. Well, uh, yes, ah, here it is. Well, then, you know Peterson, the commissioner at the hotel on the corner? But of course. Why? Is it his hat? No, his trophy. Trophy? Well, he found it. The owner is unknown. It arrived here, Watson, in company with a fine, fat goose which I have no doubt at this moment is roasting merrily in front of the Peterson's fire. Oh, well, a goose and a hat. No doubt the connection's obvious, but, uh, but uh, where, 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 where have you put the lemons, my dear fella? Lemons? Oh, try the gazogene stand. No. Oh, well, then that hideous bamboo smoking companion that Mrs. Hudson will insist on sitting down beside the sofa every afternoon. Ah, yes, here we are. <laughs> well, now the facts are these, Watson. Peterson who's a very honest fellow, as you know, was returning about four o'clock this morning from some small seasonal jollification and walking homewards down the Tottenham Court Road. Oh, uh, stir the fire a bit, will you? My hands are full. Certainly, Watson. Of course. In front of him, there in the gaslight, Peterson suddenly saw a tallish man with a stick walking with a slight stagger and carrying a white goose over his shoulder. 
Uh -huh. As he reached the corner of Warren Street, this man was suddenly set upon by a crowd of roughs. One of them knocked his hat off, and as he raised his stick to defend himself, he accidentally swung it against a shop window and smashed the glass. Oh, well, what, what, what happened next, Holmes? Well, Peterson, who was still wearing his commissionaire's uniform, rushed to the man's assistance. But the fellow, shocked at breaking a window and seeing a man in uniform running up to him, dropped his goose and took to his heels. The roughs did the same, leaving Peterson master of the field of battle. He brought both bird and hat to me. There was a card on the bird's leg with for Mrs. Henry Baker written on it, and the initials H.B. are written on the label inside the hat. Uh-huh. But of course there are some thousands of people named Baker in this great city of ours, so it has been my little occupation for this last hour or so to try and deduce the exact identity of this one. From his hat? Yes, Watson. The owner of this hat, Watson, highly intellectual, fairly well-to-do, but in the space of the last three years seems to have fallen on evil days. He used to have foresight, but he has less now than formerly. I suspect he's taken to drink, which would also perhaps account for the fact that his wife no longer loves him. Oh, my dear. <laughs> Middle-aged, goes out little, has grizzled hair, which he anoints with lime cream, and has been to the barbers lately. It is also extremely improbable that he has gasoline on in his house. Ah, oh, come on. No, you're surely joking. Not now, at all. I've seen you at this kind of thing before, of course. But this is going too far. His wife, Holmes. Uh, you mm -hmm. said she'd stopped loving him. The hat hasn't been brushed for weeks, my dear fellow. Ah? Well, when I see you, Watson, with such an accumulation of dust on your respectable headgear... I shall expect you to be returning to your old quarters here within the next day or two. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, you've an answer for everything. Wonderful, wonderful. Except the gas. The fact that there's no gas laid on in this house. Now, that really is impossible. Not at all. One tallow stain, or even two, might come by chance. But <coughs> when I see no less than five... I think there can be little doubt that the owner must be brought in frequent contact with burning tallow. Yes, he probably walks upstairs at night with his hat in one hand and a guttering candle in the other. Anyhow, he never got tallow stains from a gas jet. Satisfied? Ha! Ah, so. so. It's very, really most, most ingenious. Elementary, my dear Watson. <laughs> well, honestly, it seems rather a waste of your talents. But there's been no crime committed. Nothing but the loss of a Christmas goose. That goose, my dear fellow. Mr. Holmes. Mr. Holmes, are you in? Hello, hello, what's this? Who is it? Yes, come in. Mr. Holmes. My dear Peterson. Oh, it's, it's a goose, sir. Well, has it returned to life and flapped off through the kitchen window? You're as white as a sheet. Oh, well, here, see here, sir. Here, look what my wife found inside its crop. Watson, look, this, this is treasure trove indeed, Peterson. Yes, a precious stone, one of the biggest I've ever seen. It's more than a precious stone, Watson, it's the precious stone, the blue carbuncle. Great heavens, the, the Countess of Morcars? Precisely, missing for five days and with a descriptive advertisement every morning in the Times about it, and a reward of a thousand pounds for its recovery. Thousand pounds? Cool, love a duck. A goose, Peterson. Oh. A blue carbuncle. Yes, yes, I remember now. Lost 
at the Hotel Cosmopolitan. That's it, and they've arrested some plumber fellow who's supposed to have taken it from the Countess's jewel case. Thousand pounds reward. Oh, God. I was reading about it only just now. Yes. Here we are, here we are. The Hotel Cosmopolitan jewel robbery. John Horner, plumber, 26, was brought up on the charge of having abstracted from the jewel case of the Countess of Morcar the valuable gem known as the Blue Carbuncle. What else, Watson? Well, it, it seems that this fellow Horner was taken up to the Countess's room by her maid, a girl called Catherine Cusack, to do some kind of repair. Mm. When the head attendant of the hotel went in, a fellow called James Ryder, to see if the work was finished... He found the jewel case was lying empty and that Horner had gone. Well, he gave the alarm and Horner was found by the police. They arrested him. The case has been referred to the assizes. Mm. Well, then, the only problem remaining to be solved is the sequence of events leading from an empty jewel case in a hotel room at one end to the crop of a goose in the Tottenham Court Road at the other. Uh, just give me a pencil and that slip of paper, will you, Peterson? Huh? Oh, oh, yes, sir. Thousand pounds. Oh, blow me down, yes, sir. What are you going to do, Holmes? Find the owner of this hat. H.B. Henry Baker. Yes, he began as a joke, and now he's become a mystery. We'll try the simplest method first. An advertisement. How's this, Watson? Read it. Found at the corner of Warren Street, a goose and a black felt hat. Mr. Henry Baker can have the same by applying at 6.30 this evening... At 221 Baker Street. Clear and concise, I think. Yes, if you've quite recovered from your astonishment, Peterson... Uh, sir? Just run down to the advertisement office and have this put in all the evening papers, will you? All of them, sir? All of them. Oh, and by the way, Peterson... Sir? On your way back, just see if you can buy another goose. Another goose, sir? Yes, as near as possible the same size as that one that your family is about to devour. Oh, oh, oh yes, sir. <laughs> um, you're going to keep the stone, sir? Yes, here, in my strong box. And I'll just drop a note to the Countess to say we've found it. Hurry up, Peterson. Oh, yes, sir. Thousand pounds. Cool. Course, time to crows. No, no, the geese, Peterson. <laughs> Mr. Henry Baker, if I'm not mistaken. Do come in, Mr. Baker. Oh, thank you, sir. <laughs> sit down, won't you? Pray sit down. Thank you. Uh, this is my good friend, Dr. Watson. Uh, how do you do, uh, sir? How do you do? Uh, mayn't I help you to a whiskey and soda, Mr. Baker? Oh, 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 thank you. I'll, uh, I'll leave out the soda, if I may, Mr. Holmes. Oh, of course. You see, Watson? Congratulations, Holmes. The very man as you described him. I beg your pardon. Uh, oh, nothing, sir. Forgive us. Uh, a private matter. Huh? Now, Mr. Baker, you've come, haven't you, in answer to my advertisement. Uh, is this your hat? This? Oh, yes, sir, undoubtedly. Then pray allow me to return it to you with my compliments. The bird, I'm afraid, we've been compelled to eat. What? Oh, dear. Care, careful, careful, Mr. Baker. You'll, you'll spill your drink. It was quite a necessity, I'm afraid, since in these modern days we seem to have lost the art of refrigeration in which our Elizabethan ancestors were so adept. However, there's this other bird here on the sideboard to which you're extremely welcome as a replacement. That's uncommonly kind of you, sir. Not at all. Of course, uh, we still have the feathers and the crop of your own bird 
if you'd like to take them too. Oh, 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 you're an honest man, sir, but the disject member of my late acquaintance are hardly likely to be of much use to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I will have one more drink, if I may. Very small. Most certainly. Would it trouble you, Mr. Baker, to tell me where you got that uncommonly fine bird of yours? Not at all, sir. I'm a member of a Christmas goose club run by the landlord of the Alpha Inn near the museum. The Alpha Inn, Watson? Ah. Uh -huh. I got it there in exchange for my weekly fourpences, which I've been paying since last April. Well, that's good value for 12 shillings, Mr. Baker, eh? Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I really am most grateful to you for your kindness, sir. I, I was set on by some roughs in the street, and I, I lost it. All's well that ends well, Mr. Baker. We were fortunate enough to find it, so... Here's your hat, and here is your new bird. Oh, I've put the old ticket onto it, the one that was tied to the other goose's leg, marked to Mrs. Henry Baker. Oh, how nice of you. I, <laughs> I'm much obliged, sir. Well, not at all. A peace offering, Mr. Baker? A peace offering, sir, in point of fact. To my better half. Ah, quite. Uh, good night, sir, and thank you again. Good night, good night, Mr. Baker. Good, good night, night, sir. Well, 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 so much for Mr. Henry Baker, Watson. Well, it's quite evident that he was innocent, of course, from the trap you laid. I mean, about the feathers and the crop. Yes, evident. I suggest, Watson, that we turn that proposed dinner of ours into a late supper. I'll tell Mrs. Hudson she'll forgive us. And in the meanwhile, let's follow up the clue of the Alpha Inn. By all means, Holmes, I confess I'm most intrigued. As I'm afraid we shall have to battle our way out through those infernal weights who are making night so hideous on our humble doorstep. Come, Watson, we've work to do this Christmas Eve. It was a bitter night, and so we drew on our ulsters and wrapped our mufflers about our throats. We swung through the doctor's quarters of Wimple Street and Harley Street, and so along the great thoroughfare of Oxford Street, where the crowds were thinning now to Bloomsbury. And there, in a forgotten corner, we found the Alpha Inn. And from the rosy landlord, learnt that the geese for his Christmas club had come from a dealer named Breckenridge in Covent Garden. Yes, here's the market, Holmes. What was the name of the goose dealer? Breckenridge, Watson. Yeah, there it is, you see? The largest stall of the lot. There's the name written up over it. Yes, just in time. They're closing up. Hmm, horsey-looking fellow, isn't he? What's that you say? Horsey. Good for you, Watson. That fact might come in useful. Ah, good evening, Mr. Breckenridge. Mm, it's a cold night. Uh, cold enough, I reckon. Glad to get finished. Sold out of geese, I see. Let's have 500 tomorrow morning. Ah, that's no good, I'm afraid. We want one tonight. Here, yeah, there's someone that stall over there with a the gas flare. Now, excuse me, Well, we sir. were recommended to you particularly, Mr. Breckenridge. Oh, who by? By the landlord of the Alpha Inn in Bloomsbury. Yes, you supplied him with some incomparable birds, he told us. 
Where did you get them from, by the way? Now, look here. What exactly are you driving at, mister? Why, nothing. Only that I wanted to know who sold you those geese. I'm dashed if I tell you, then. You're another one to pester me, are you? Another one? What do you mean? When I pay good money for a thing, that should be the end of it, I say. But it's where are those geese? And who did you sell those geese to? Till I'm sick of it. You'd think that lot were the only geese in the world the way some folk keep on at me about them. Well, I can assure you that we've nothing to do with any other people who've been making inquiries, Mr. Breckenridge. In fact, all I'm concerned with is a little bet I've made. A bet? Just so. I'm always ready to back my opinion, and I've bet a fiver with my friend the doctor here that the bird we ate from the Alpha Inn was country bread. You've lost your fiver then, because it was town bread. No, 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 it was nothing of the kind. It was, I tell you. God, do you think you know more about fowls than I do when I've been in a trade man and boy for... I tell you, it's country bread. Each town. Here, will you take a bet with me too? With pleasure. A sovereign. Every penny of it. Right, it's on. Now, where's that ruddy book of mine? <laughs> Here it is. Here. Just look in there, Mr. Cockshaw. Well, what's this? That's the list of the folk I buy from, see? And what I do with the stuff when I bought it. Now then, look at that name there, do you see? Can you see it, Watson, in this light? Yes, yes. Mrs. Oakshot, isn't it? That's right, Mrs. Oakshot. And what's the address, eh? 117 Brixton Road. Egg and poultry supplier. Brixton Road, Mr. Iron Mighty. And what's the last entry under it, eh? December the 22nd, 24 geese at 7 and 6. And who would I sold to, eh? Sold to Mr. Windigate of the Alpha at 12 shillings. Right. And so what do you say now, Mr. Blooming Poultry Fancier? <laughs> well, I must say I could have sworn it was country bread. All right, you win, Mr. Breckenridge. <laughs> There's your sovereign. Thank you. Come along, doctor. Uh, I owe you five, I think. Yes, you do. Yeah, easy money, that's what I say. <laughs> well, good evening, gents. A Merry Christmas. Good evening, Mr. Breckenridge. Well, Watson, let's stand here by the gas lamp for a moment. I want to think. I tell you, I don't know nothing about it. You get out of here, I'll say. Hello, Hello? what's going on? Was there some kind of a quarrel, Holmes, back there at Breckenridge's store? Oh, yes, so there is. Let's see what's the matter. Look, look, that little rat-faced fellow, do you see? Breckenridge is threatening him. I tell you, I've had enough of you angel blooming geese. I was only asking you. Yeah, well, you've asked the same before and you've got the same ruddy answer. You and anybody else. One of them geese was mine, I say. Well, you can ask Mrs. Blooming Oakshot for it. She told me to ask you. Yeah, then you can ask the King of Prussia for all I care. You get off now. Go on, I'll knock your teeth out, mind you. Here, here, here. Oh, give it a bit of tea, honey, boy. Go you blooming nosy parker. The little fellow's coming this way, Watson. It looks as if we've saved our trip to Brixton. You want me to collar him? Stand by if he gets nasty. He looks a bit of a shrimp, though. Not much trouble. Here, my man, not so fast. I'd just like a word with you. What? Here, who are you? What do you want? I couldn't help overhearing your little disagreement with the good salesman over there, and I think I might be able to assist you. How do you mean? How could you know anything? Who are you, eh? My name is Sherlock Holmes, and it's my business to know what other people don't know. Well, you can't do anything about this. On the contrary, you're trying to trace some geese which were sold by Mrs. Oakshot to that man there who sold them to the landlord of the Alpha Inn who got rid of them through his goose club, of which Mr. Henry Baker is a member. What? Why, you're the very man I've been looking for, Mr. Holmes. Oh, I can hardly tell you how much it means to me. Watson, be good enough to signal for a four-wheeler, will you? Yes, I, certainly. I think, my Hello. friend, we'd better discuss this whole matter in some cosy place rather than in the crowded street. Uh, we'll go to my room, shall we? 
Oh, what's your name, may I ask? Uh, my name's uh, Robinson. John Robinson. No, 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 the real name. It's always so awkward doing business with an alias. All right, then. James Ryder. Ah, head attendant of the Hotel Cosmopolitan, yeah. I believe. Quite so. Yeah, you have the cab, Watson. Just coming over, Holmes. Splendid, splendid. Now, would you mind just standing on Mr. Ryder's other side and uh, just take him by the arm, will you? He might have a fancy to go for a little walk. Well, now, here we are. The fire looks very seasonable this weather. Uh, do put some more coal on, would you, Watson? Now then, pray take the basket chair, Mr. Ryder. You look chilly. I'll make some more punch, I think, Holmes. We could all do with a warming. Thank you, Watson, if you will. You'll find the lemons behind you on the gazogene stand. And the nutmeg scraper? There, behind the Persian slipper. Oh, you might hand it to me, will you, dear fellow? I'd like some tobacco. Certainly. Thank you so much. Well, now, Mr. Ryder. Yes, sir? You, um... You want to know what became of those geese, Mr. Ryder, or rather of that goose. For I fancy it was only one that you were interested in, a white one with a black bar across its tail. Oh, if you could only tell me, sir, I'd be that grateful. Mm. It's really mine, you see, sir. It was sold by mistake. <laughs> and a most remarkable bird, if I may say so, Mr. Ryder. Watson, hand me over my strong box, if you please. Uh, yeah. That bird laid an egg after it was dead, Mr. Ryder. Huh? The bonniest, brightest little blue egg that ever was seen. I have it here. Oh, merciful heaven. The game's up, Ryder. Oh. Steady, man, steady, or you'll be in the fire. Hang on to him, Watson. It's all right, Holmes, I've got him. Almost fainting, poor devil. I'll get him a brandy. Poor devil, eh? Heavens, what a worm the fellow is. He's not got blood enough to go in for felony. <laughs> well, there you are, my man. Drink it up. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Oh, what have I done? What have I done? You know perfectly well what you've done, Ryder. It only needs one or two more links, Watson, to make the case complete. Now then, Ryder, who told you of the Countess of Morka's jewel, the blue carbuncle? It, it was Catherine Cusack, sir. I swear it was her idea. The Countess's waiting maid, Holmes. Exactly. And so you invented some excuse to send that unfortunate young Horner into the Countess's hotel room, and after he was gone, you rifled the jewel case, raised the alarm, and put the blame onto him. Yes, sir, I did, sir. Ah. Oh, for heaven's sake, have mercy, Mr. Holmes. I, I never went wrong before. It, it was Cathy who was to blame. Get oh, up please, off the floor, sir. man. It's no good kneeling to me. You didn't show much mercy to Horner, did you? I'll leave the country, sir. The, the charge will break down against Get him. Up. Get up! Watson, help me onto his feet, for heaven's sake. What I want to know is how the stone got into the goose rider. There, man, take another drink. Well, it, it was all a mistake, you see, sir. Once I had it, I wanted to hide it somewhere. It, it seemed to burn a hole in my pocket. So I went to my sister, you see, to think things out. Your sister? Maggie. She married a man called Oakshot. Aha. Uh -huh. And she fattens fowls for the market at Brixton. Ah, Oakshot, eh? Well, I was thinking it out in her yard, see, smoking a pipe like. And I remember that Maggie had promised me a bird for Christmas, so I had an idea. Ah, uh, you forced the stone down the bird's throat. <sighs> yes, sir. Well, just then, Maggie come out to see what I was up to, and the bird got free for a minute. But I went and caught it again, and Maggie and I killed it. I had a notion to take the stone to a chap I knew up in Kilburn that told me once he knew how to get rid of stolen property. And I thought it would be safe from any search in the bird's crop, you see, sir, even if the police did take it into their hands to stop me. They weren't all that certain about honour, you see. Ah, when you got to Kilburn, it wasn't there. No, sir, so I rushed back to Maggie. By that time, all the other birds had gone to market, see. There was two of them with barred tails, you see, sir. I'd caught the wrong one after it had got away. I've been at that stall at the garden ever since, trying to find out where it had gone. 
Holmes, Holmes. Ah. Well, what are you going to do, Holmes? I'm not quite sure, but I think all things considered, it might be best to... Get out, Ryder. What? You mean... I mean, get out, man. Oh, heaven bless you, Mr. Holmes. I don't want to hear any more from you. Get oh, out. Thank you, Mr. Get Holmes. Get out. Heaven bless you, sir. Well, well, a most singular and whimsical business, my dear Watson. Ah, my dear Holmes. Shouldn't you have turned him in? Well, when all's said and done, Watson, I'm really not retained by the police to supplement their deficiencies. As soon as I send the stone back, the case against Horner will collapse at once. There'll be no witness. But you're committing a felony, you know. Well, it's just possible that I'm also saving a soul. I don't believe he'll go wrong again. He's too scared. Besides, Watson... Well... Well, this is the season of forgiveness, man. Listen. Twelve o'clock. It's Christmas Day. Oh, pass me some of that delicious punch of yours, won't you? And tell me you forgive me, too. Forgive you? In heaven's name for what? For being so surly yesterday morning when you offered me the compliments of the season. I return them now with all my heart. And here's your health, old friend, with my glass upraised. A Merry Christmas, my dear Watson. A Merry Christmas, Holmes. God save her gracious majesty. Amen. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, based on the original stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, have been dramatized anew with original music composed by Sidney Torch. Sir Ralph Richardson played the part of Dr. Watson, and Sir John Gilgood, that of Sherlock Holmes. The program was produced by Harry Allen Towers. That is The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. And this was uh, produced in the BBC. Um, and Orson Welles actually played Professor Moriarty in this series. He was not in this episode because Moriarty was like the number one villain to Sherlock Holmes, and he would show up every once in a while. But Orson Welles, they had three big names on this series with John Gielgud as Holmes. Remember John Gielgud, Lisa, in the movie Arthur? He was his butler. Remember that? No, I've seen the movie, but I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. That's a long time ago. I know. That movie is so funny. It's a great movie. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, this broadcast is The Blue Carbuncle from March 13, 1955, a Christmas episode. Hope you enjoyed The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Well, if you're a fan of classic radio Christmas shows, we have Christmas shows all the way through uh, December. But if you want to own 100 Christmas shows, and I'm talking the best of the best, Jack Benny, Suspense, The Whistler, Escape, uh, Boston Blackie, all kinds of great Christmas shows, you can go to our new website that is the number 100 and then radioshows.com. So when you when you uh, go to the website, just 100 radioshows.com, you'll find seven different collections. And we're talking about a greatest shows, a comedy, a detective, a mystery, a western, a drama, and um, a mystery. 
You said that. Did I say that? Yes. Did I say detective? You did. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway. And a Christmas show. There's all kinds of genres, and each one of them, there's seven different genres. Each one of them has a hundred shows. And if you want to get a hundred Christmas shows, you can do that. Right? You can pick that genre you if can that's pick that what you genre. want. Or you can give that as a gift, which is a great Christmas gift. Oh, yeah. You will instantly get... Uh, an email which will have 100 links in it that'll give you 100 different shows. These never expire. You can listen to them anytime you want at your leisure. So 50 hours of material in each one of these uh, genres. So check out our website. Plus you can see exactly what you're getting. Every single show is listed. Every single one of the 100 shows in each of these seven collections is listed. So just go to 100radioshows.com. Sound good? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. All right. We're in the Christmas mood. I thought we'd play a Frank Sinatra tune. I Here's thought a we would, too. Good Christmas show, uh, song, I should say. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. From now on, our troubles will be miles away. Here we are as in olden days, happy golden days of yore. Faithful friends, who are dear to us Gather near to us Once more Through the years We all will be together If the fates allow Hang a shining star Upon the highest bar And have yourself A merry little Christmas now Fates allow Hang a shining star 
upon the highest bar and have yourself a merry little Christmas Chairman of the board, right there, old Blue Eyes, singing a very popular Christmas tune. Have yourself a merry little Christmas, Lisa. Frank Sinatra. And you know what? There's a brand new show that is going to be hosted by our good pal Dave Plyer right here every Sunday morning. Starting next Sunday, not uh, not tonight, not not this morning, but next Sunday. You will be able to hear Dave Plyer uh, hosting a show called The Sinatra Hours from 6.30 in the morning till 9 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be great. You're going to hear all the wonderful Frank Sinatra tunes. A brand new show. Uh, We'll have to check it out. Oh, I will. I will be listening. In well, fact, I will be listening to the podcast because uh, Sunday morning yeah, is a little bit rough for us because we don't true. finish until three. By the time we get home, it's almost time for Dave Plyer. Wait a second. Yeah, we get out of here at three. <laughs> right. We, we get home by. F- you're home by four. I'm home by four forty-five. And it comes out at six thirty. So you might need a I little just, rest. Maybe I'll just stay up. Or you can listen to the. You know just, what? Every show here is podcast. But if you can stay up and listen, let me know how it I is. I don't want to miss <laughs> Dave Plyer's new show. Maybe we'll have to listen to the first one for All right. sure. Make sure you mark that down, folks. The Sinatra <laughs> Hours starting next Sunday, six thirty in the morning, until nine o'clock in the morning, and Dave Plyer bringing you all the great. Uh, songs by the chairman of the board himself. Let's take a quick break, then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Well, Lisa, I tell you what, I'm so excited. We have a five-hour show beginning next Saturday, 10 p.m. until 3 a.m. That's our brand-new time slot, folks. Mark it down. We, uh, We are not on Saturdays and Sundays. We're only on Saturdays, but the full five hours. So you will get us uh, a you're big gonna, dose. You're going to get your fill of Carl on Saturday night. And Huge by Sunday, dose. you'll have had enough. You'll have enough to go until the next Saturday well, night. Well, you know, in reality, we are on both <laughs> nights because we, we start on, on Saturday, Saturday night two into hours. Sunday morning. Into Sunday morning, yeah. Yeah. That's what I just said. What? What? Did you say something? I, would, I don't really listen. You know, we talk. used to be on Saturdays three hours and then Sunday two hours, but they just put all of them together and start us earlier. We're starting at 10 p.m. and running until 3 a.m. So the wonderful Chris Duffy did our show opener, which says a three-hour WGN Radio Theater, a three-hour presentation with Carla Mari and Lisa Wolf. Yeah. So we're going to have to work hours. on that. We'll have we're going to gonna have to just edit in like five. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley, can <laughs> you'll you take have, care of that you'll for have us? Eight, and then someone <laughs> else will say five. Yeah, <laughs> a three, five-hour presentation. <laughs> That'll be great. Well, in our next hour, we have a uh, an early episode of Fibber, McGee, and Molly, 1940. That's before the war, even. Even before you were born, Yeah, Carl. this was like a whole year before we entered into World War II, so don't miss it. A Christmas Eve episode of Fibber, McGee, and Molly is coming up in our next hour. Uh, it's going to be it's gonna be awesome. You don't want to miss it, so stay with us right here on the WGN Radio Theater. 
Hi, this is Lisa Wolf. Check out the Classic Radio Club at ClassicRadioClub.com, where each month you can receive 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first month's 10 classic radio shows on five CDs, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $1 plus shipping and handling. Choose the digital option and receive your 10 classic radio shows via email and we'll eliminate the shipping and handling fee. Each month, we'll select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from our library of over 100,000 shows and send them to you. And I promise every show will be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and receive your first month's 10 classic radio shows for only $1. Join now at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Lisa emphasizes the radio, Ashley. I say Classic Radio Club, and she says Classic Radio Club. I say Classic Radio Club, but that's not what she you said. She puts the emphasis you on radio. You said Classic Radio Club. I say the Classic Radio Club. Yeah, you said Classic so Radio I, Club. I think you I put, put it on club, club, and I yeah. do it on radio. I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do with this club? What? I'm going to club <laughs> you. All right, you say it my way, and I'll say it uh, your way. Wait, she says... Classic Radio Club. And you say Classic Radio Club. Mine it's, sounds better. It's the Classic Radio Club. <laughs> it's a radio club. It's a ra- Forget classic. That's not important. That's just the adjective. What do you mean a, it's not important? Classic's important. I know, but it's a radio club. That's the word to punch. Classic Radio Club. No, it's a classic radio club. It's not a classic TV club or a to, classic movie club. It's a classic radio club. As much club. as I don't want to admit this, Wait I think I have to agree with you. Carl, you said you were going to be right from now on. What the? Happens. I already, man, I'm 0 for 1 already. What you do you s- think, Ashley? You said you would be right once you guys started the new show. Oh, the new show, so that's right. Okay. I have till next week. Thanks. I like, I like Thanks, classic radio club. Right. So I'm on because your it's, a, it's a radio club. Right. You have to pick the right words. That's like Radio 101. Well, anyway, folks, <laughs> check out the classic radio club or classic radio club. It's a radio Either club. Either way, it's the same thing. Just go to classicradioclub.com. Should we, should we enunciate the dot com? Classic Radio Club. No, that's a different. Okay. I said ClassicRadioClub.com. Go to ClassicRadioClub.com because you'll learn about being a Classic Radio Club member. But you have to say it the right way. sent to you. It won't work unless you say it correctly. Go to the website. Check it out. All right. So in this hour, Fibber, McGee, and Molly, a Christmas show from 1940. You're going to love it. And uh, also... We're going to play our game. We sure are. This is Cat's Pride Game. Guess that song. We are still in 1960. I have some good tunes here, and we are going to be giving away a certificate for a desktop pre-lit sports-themed artificial tree from... Tree time, tree time, tree time. What did I say? I don't know. I Probably something up. wrong. Anyways, we're looking for caller number three. You can call right now, 312-981-7200. We'll be right back. Okay. We are professionals. I think I did it. <laughs> Guess that song. We're going to go right into Guess That Song. I'm going to leave it right there. We have Dennis on the phone. Hey, Dennis. Hi. Good morning, both you, Carl and Lisa. Hi, good morning. Dennis. How, How are, are you? you? All right. Good, good. good to so, talk to so you. So glad you made it through. You're caller number three. We are going back to 1960 with some great old songs. We're going to do the first one right now. Do, 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 down, do, be, do, down, down. Do you know that one? 
Um, we're almost at the chorus. <laughs> God, Dennis sounds yeah, know, a lot I'm like right uh, Rick Hogan. Like, Rick Hogan. I know you sound you like Rick deep... Hogan. Did you ever do any radio, Dennis? No, you're gonna hire me. <laughs> do you, <laughs> sounds you like ever, Rick Hogan. I said, do you ever listen Great to Rick? Voice. Wow, I like your voice. You're gonna have to read a lot of books though if you want to be like Rick. Yeah. <laughs> you know that one, yeah, Carl? Doobie doobie. What is that? Doobie 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 doobie. You're you're almost there. Doobie doobie doo. You're like right at the cusp of the of the chorus. Down but down, yeah. bump a boo boo. All right, you guys, it's Neil Sedaka. Let's play it. They don't make songs like this anymore. I agree you know? with you. This is great. It's coming right here. You ready? You don't know it yet? No. There it is. Breaking up is hard to do. <laughs> Good job, Carl. Yeah, <laughs> well, the 1975. I know. Here's, the here's one thing I will say. It's never been hard for any woman to break up with me, so I don't get this song. <laughs> yeah, me too. So don't feel bad. <laughs> uh, the 1975 re-release of this song at a slower tempo was just an afterthought, but it charted all over again at number eight. But this was back from 1960, but I think we all know it from the 1975 version. Tune. All right. Let's see what you guys can do for the second song. All right. We're going to get this one. All right. Come on. Now. Come on, you guys. Tomorrow. Yes, 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 you're right there, you're right there, Dennis. Mm. It's something, something, something tomorrow. Uh, All right, let's I'm going to leave her tomorrow or something like that? (laughs) So close, but no. (laughs) This is the Shirley's Will You Love Me Tomorrow. Oh, Will You Love Me Tomorrow. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. We'll we'll let it play for a second. I didn't get it either. (laughs) No, I know that. Uh, this was written by the husband and wife songwriting team of Jerry Goffin and Carol King. Oh, really? Yeah. You know what? It doesn't matter, Dennis. You're a good sport, and you are the winner here because this is a fantastic gift. You've won a certificate for a desktop pre-lit sports-themed artificial tree from Tree Time Christmas Creations. You can visit treetime.com or their showroom, which is on Pepper Road in Lake Barrington. Pepper Road. In Lake Barrington for the most spectacular selection of Christmas trees, lights, and ornaments you can't find elsewhere. So congratulations. Thank you for calling in. You guys are wonderful. Thank uh, you so thanks, much. Thank Dennis. you. We're just going to call show. you Rick. Okay. Thank you so much, Dennis. <laughs> Thank Appreciate you, Dennis. you, buddy. All right. He uh, enjoys the show, and that's really nice to hear. It sure is. We love doing this radio show, and we love hearing from our listeners. So please text us, 312-981-7200. Um, don't forget, next week we start our new time slot, 10 p.m. on Saturdays till 3 o'clock in the morning, five straight hours, right here on the greatest radio station on the planet, WGN. Time now, though, for Fibber McGee and Molly. I almost said McDoodle. Fibber McDoodle and Molly. Fibber McGee and Molly. Uh, these, this was a great series. It was such a fun program. It was a real-life husband and wife that starred as Fibber McGee and Molly. Their real names, Jim and Marion Jordan. And they were originally from Peoria, Illinois. They were natives of Peoria, Illinois. And they uh, got married, and they decided, you know what? He was, like, working at the post office, and they were trying to make ends meet, and they decided, let's go on the radio. Let's do vaudeville. And they were in a vaudeville and went on the radio and started, like, singing on the radio and doing bits and things like that. And all of a sudden, they were 
kind of getting popular. So they hired a writer by the name of Don Quinn. And Don Quinn and Jim and Marion Jordan created Fibber, McGee, and Molly. And boy, I'll tell you, once they did that, it was a sensation on radio. The whole concept of the program was that they lived at 79 Wistful Vista, and people would come over, ring the bell. I mean, I don't have that many people coming to my house ringing my bell. Well, why would they? <laughs> ring my bell. Remember that song? Yeah, you can. It starts with you can. Ring my you bell. You can. You can. But people <laughs> went to Fibber's house, Fibber McGee and Molly's house, and rang the bell. I don't think people ring people's bells anymore. I know. It's just not acceptable. Nobody comes over to my place. It's just not acceptable to just show up. And they just come over, and then they would come in and talk with Fibber McGee. But it was always with great. And he, and he was sort of like a get-rich-quick kind of guy who was always trying to make money doing this or that. Um, very, very funny series. Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve was his next-door neighbor, was Fibber's yeah. next-door neighbor, and he was over all the time. You will hear him on this particular episode. But then he spun out into his own show, The Great Gildersleeve. So great history, lots and lots of history on this series. You're going to love it. This is a Christmas show from 1940, Christmas Eve, December 24th. Here is part one now of Fibber, McGee, and Molly. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. Well, it's a wonderful feeling to have your Christmas shopping all done and wrapped and sent out and cards all mailed so you can sit down and relax by an open fire. Ah, peace. It's wonderful. And here at 79 Wistful Vista, settling down to wallow in that wonderful feeling, we find Fibber McGee and Molly. Ah, boy, ain't this a picture. Snow softly falling and candle in the window and fire in the fireplace. Yeah. And no wood in the basket. <laughs> you better go out and get a couple of more logs, dearie. Oh, let it go. We'll be going to bed pretty quick. You don't let the fire go out? Sure. Who am I to give Santa Claus the hot foot? <laughs> Besides, the wood is outside and it'll be all wet from the snow. Oh, it'll burn all right. Yeah, but it'll sputter and throw sparks out on the floor. Might catch the rug on fire. Then it might spread to the curtains. And the furniture. What? Why, shucks, the whole house might go up in a blaze. Might even cut off the house next door. Oh, my God. Uh, McGee, what are you doing? Well, throw the piano out the window. We can save that. You run up and get your jewelry. I'll call the fire. Oh, dear. You heavenly days. Stop it. There isn't any fire. Huh? Oh. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Boy, I should have been a salesman. <laughs> I can convince myself that almost anything. Oh, I wonder who that is. Come in. Delivery for you, lady. Bonton Department Store. Okay, Joe, bring it in. Oh, my, my. Hey, look at that, will you, Molly? Wonder who sent us that. Search me. The name's on the inside, no doubt. Uh-huh. Well, thank you, boys, and a Merry Christmas to you. Thanks, lady. Same to you and many others. <laughs> Heavenly day. What a whopping big package. Wonder what's in it. Well, what do you say we see who it's from? Might as well find out. No. Oh, look, McGee. Here. Here's the card on the wrapping. Well, who sent it to us? Oh, it isn't ours. Huh? It's addressed to Mr. Gildersleeve. They delivered it to the wrong house. 
No, but now look, maybe it's really ours and they got Gildersleeve's name on it by mistake. Huh? Now listen, don't be silly. Don't unwrap it any farther now. My goodness, no, you can't. No, sirree, I've started it. Now I'm going to see what it is. We can wrap it up again later. Where's the scissors? I got to cut this string. On the shelf in the hall closet. Okay, in here? Yeah. Hey, somebody must have straightened Oh! Got to straighten up that closet one of these days. Well, never mind that now. Bring the scissors and cut the string, if you must. And I don't think we should. But if we have to, hurry up. <laughs> I want to see what's in it. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. Look, McGee. A combination radio and phonograph. And beautiful, too. Mm. Some stranger must think pretty highly of Gildersleeve. How do you know it's a stranger? Must be if he thinks highly of Gildersleeve. <laughs> oh, look, it's got an automatic record changer. Oh. Plays eight records in succession. Oh. Let's try it. <laughs> you ought to try that one again. <laughs> Let's, try it, huh? Huh? Let's try it. Oh, Let's try it. No, no, dearie, that wouldn't be right. It isn't ours. Besides, we haven't got any records. Well, we got that broken one we just did. <laughs> There's records inside the cabinet. Look. Well, all right. I don't think Mr. Gildersleeve would mind, even if he knew and he won't. You know how to run the thing? Looks pretty complicated. Why, it's a cinch. All you got to do is put eight records on this gadget here. Yeah. Like that. Turn the volume on. <laughs> Comes off. Set it for phonograph. Put the lever down. Insert a needle. Hey, plug the cord in the wall socket, Molly. Okay. All set, McGee. Ah, here she goes. Ah, now we can sit down and relax. Now for a half hour of uninterrupted music. That was... Hey. Oh, McGee, shut it off, quick. Something's wrong. Couldn't be. I know how to start this. Oh. Oh, dear. Hey. Oh. Hey. Duck, McGee, duck. He's throwing the records at me. Hey, reach in and shut it off. I didn't know how. Shut it off yourself. It ain't mad at you. It's mad at me. Listen, I'll sneak along the floor and pull the plug out. Okay. Don't let it see you. Oh. 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 Oh, my. <laughs> days, the whole thing fell apart. Look at that pile of junk. We'll never get that put back together. What are we going to do? Oh, boy. We'll never be able to explain to Mr. Gildersleeve what... Oh, that's him now. Molly, don't answer the door. What'll we do? Oh, McGee! <laughs> Molly, there's, there's only one thing to do. We gotta get him a duplicate phonograph. But where? Same place this one came from. At the Bonton. Come on. Come on, we'll go out the back door. No, wait till I get my hat. Where's my hat? In the hall closet. I'll go bareheaded. Let's go. <laughs> Boy, look at that crowd in front of the Bonton, Molly. We'll never be able to fight our way through that revolving door. Well, we've got to try it, McGee. Huh? It's our duty. Kiss me and let's go. Goodbye, Molly. And if I don't see you again inside, well, you've been a good wife, and I'm glad to have knew you. <laughs> Thank you, dearie. And remember, huh? whichever of us fights his way through, he must carry on. 
Goodbye, sweetheart. Goodbye. Are you ready? Ready. Okay. Signals. 16, 19, 42. Hip, hip, hip. Oh, there. Goodness, you made it. <laughs> well, now, the terrain, where do we go? Search me. Maybe, maybe we better ask for a floor walker. Uh, hey, a floor walker? Yes, sir. Will you please tell us where we can buy a phonograph? Why, certainly, madam. You'll find the phonograph... The phonograph... The phonograph... I think they're looking... Looking in that department... What kind of a phonograph? <laughs> Phonograph and radio, bud. Oh, I think I know exactly. Exactly. Let's see. Three aisles over in the home for in the home for. Gosh, I hope you'll excuse me, folks. I I seem to have the hiccup. I seem to have the hiccup. Exactly. How did you know? Well, you had me fooled. I thought you swallowed a cat pistol. Three aisles over, eh? Well, much obliged, bud. Oh, not at all, sir. Just ask for the manager of that department. The manager in charge of. Of radios is Mr. Hannah, Hannah, Mr. Hannah, Mr. George B. Hannah, Hannah, George B. Hannah. Ask for George. Fine floor walker. Say, incidentally, McGee, huh? have you thought of the cost of this outfit we're getting? Yeah, but we got to do it anyway, Molly. We can arrange it on the budget plan. Budget plan? Yeah, you know, a life membership in the We Bit Off More Than We Could Chew Club. <laughs> Who's that? Sounds like Wilcox. I'd know that voice anywhere. Oh, there he is. Hi, Harlow. Hello, folks. Doing a little last-minute shopping? Yes, we are. What have you got there, Mr. Wilcox? Oh, this? Well, that's a Christmas present from the sponsor. I'm taking it up to get it framed. Framed? What is it? Well, now, that's a silly question, McGee. It must be a picture. Oh, not necessarily. I'd like to frame Uncle Dennis, and he's no picture. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but this is a honey. Here, let me show you. Oh, well, heavenly days. A life-size photograph of Mr. Wilcox with a can of Johnson's wax in each hand. It's a beauty, isn't it? And just what I wanted. Sure looks like you, Harlow. But maybe you can have it retouched. It certainly is a speaking likeness. Yes, sir. I almost expect to hear myself saying, Johnson's wax is the finest protection for floors and furniture that money can buy. That's funny. I can hear you saying that, too. <laughs> and just look. Just look at those cans of wax there. Aren't they perfect? Beautiful. Why, it looks like you could take them right out of my hands and use them on the woodwork and lampshades and everything that needs a film of protection against wear and dampness and scratching. But why two cans? Ah, that's significant. Yes. On one hand, we have the paste wax, and on the other hand, the liquid wax is good, too. Uh, but look, it's the likeness of me that's so wonderful. Why, you'd almost expect me to step right out of the picture. Well, why don't you? I, oh, oh, all right. See you later, folks. Hold on, I'll marry you. McGee, what makes you so rude to Mr. Wilcox all the time? He's such a nice lad. I know, I just throw that in for a dramatic conflict. I see. Look, we better go over this way, Molly. The car... Hi, mister. Oh, hello there, little girl. What you doing down here in all this mob? Oh, I just came in to look at the doll. <laughs> That's fun, ain't it? Uh, before I was married, I used McGee. to... Uh, uh, are you, uh, you thinking of buying one, sis? Oh, no. I was just looking at a new kind of a little doll, is all. Oh. Maybe I can have one sometime if I'm a good girl. Though it's an awful price to pay, I sometimes think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you think so, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Hmm? <laughs> well, 
we, we got to be on our way, sis. It's nice to see you, and a Merry Christmas to you. And the same to you, Mr. McGee, and you too, Mrs. McGee. Gee, it's been nice seeing you. You're such nice people. We are. Sure you are, I betcha. You're always so nice to little girls like me. Oh, well, shucks. You know, up. when I was looking at that new kind of a little dolly, I said to myself, Sis, I said... I bet you if Mr. McGee was here and saw that uh, that this doll was two ninety five and I only had two dollars, I bet you he'd buy it for me. Just like just like gee, I wish I could snap my fingers. <laughs> What's so special about this particular doll, sis? Oh, gee, it holds things in its hands. Like oh. how it's got electric magnetism. Sism. His too. <laughs> huh? Hmm? I'll let it go. I'll have to, I guess. I only got two dollars. But, gee, I shouldn't be telling you my troubles, mister. You're so big and important, you you probably got your own troubles, I bet you. Well, goodbye. Oh, now. hey, wait a minute, sis. Wait a minute. Here, here. Here's extra buck. Now you go get that doll. Oh, mister, thanks very so much. <laughs> this is wonderful. It's just these little things that restore a woman's faith in human nature. <laughs> yeah. I never expected you to do a thing like this. <laughs> you didn't, eh? No. I didn't have you pegged for more than two bits. <laughs> hey, Molly. Look, here's a radio just like the one that came for Gildersleeve. Oh, that's perfect. Now, if we can only find a salesman... Have you wait. waited on, folks? Uh, we'll take this radio phonograph, bud. Uh, can we get it sent out special tonight, right away? It's an emergency. Have you an account with this store, sir? No, but we'll take this machine on your budget plan. Yeah. Very well. Now, if you'll sit down here and answer a few questions. Uh, name? Uh, Fever McGee. 79 Whistle Vista. Have you any other accounts in the city? No. No, we haven't. We always pay cash. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> you can't expect to have good credit if you always pay cash. Uh, <laughs> where do you do your banking? Where do we do our banking? Yes. The corn exchange and skip the wisecrack. <laughs> I see. But well, I'm sure it'll be all right. Now, the price of the machine you're purchasing is $450. No! $450? Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute there, genie with the light brown bald spot. <laughs> we can't... That, however, includes two packages of needles for the phonograph. Oh! Oh, oh well, that's different. Yeah. <laughs> Sounded a little steep there for a minute. <laughs> now about this bud plan budget. I mean, this budget plan. Right? All that. Well, we prorate the $450 plus sales tax, of course, over a period of, say, 18 months. Right. Let me see. With carrying charges, 12% financing and another 14% to demurrage, 5% to cabbage. Cabbage? Yes. When we repossess it, we always take a cab. Oh. Let me see. <laughs> Let me see. 531, dismal point, 23. Dismal point? You mean decimal point, don't you, Scrooge? You'll find it dismal in this case. Here we are. All worked out. You bring in 29.52 on the 15th of every month. Okay, tonight. bud, okay. Now, look. We got to get this machine out right away. There's a fellow waiting for it. I'll take care of that, folks. Don't worry. There's a truck leaving for your neighborhood in just a few minutes. Hey, Charlie, Herman, load this radio on the truck and get it right out. Much obliged, bud. I hey, don't now, know. wait a minute. Huh? I just thought of something. Yes, Mrs. McGee? You said we have to make this payment on the 15th of every month. Hmm? Now, what if the 15th should come on a Sunday? Uh -huh. Oh, I never thought of that. Let's make it the 14th of every month. Well, that's better. Come on, Molly. All right. <laughs> 
The King's Men, in the spirit of Christmas, sing Home Sweet Home. Well, uh, just set it anywhere, boys. Yeah, much obliged, fellas. Nice of you to get it out here so quick. Yes, oh, that's is. okay, Doc. Ain't it, Hoyman? Yeah. <laughs> well, what are you waiting for? Oh, McGee, we haven't wished them a Merry Christmas. Oh, that's right. Merry Christmas, fellas. Thanks. Is that all? McGee. Huh? Oh, yes. A Happy New Year, too, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Must be tired. Well, let's take the wrappings off, Molly No, 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 huh? leave them on Then when Mr. Gildersleeve comes in, it'll be off oh, Is that him? Let me look Oh, no It's only the Duchess of Uppington Duchess? Yeah, that's one of her dukes banging on the door <laughs> Come in Ah, you have greetings, Mr. McGee And Mr. McGee Oh, same to you, Uppy <laughs> And say, thanks for that Christmas present you sent me. Oh, Mr. McGee, you've unwrapped those cigars already. Oh, I didn't have to unwrap them, Uppy. <laughs> they came right out of the wrappers by themselves. Oh, I do hope you enjoy them. I went to a lot of trouble drying those cigars in the oven just so they'd burn better. <laughs> oh, you did, did you? Yes, oh, I do hope you liked them, Mr. McGee. Ah, <laughs> uh, Uppy, I can't tell you what I think of those cigars. 
Uh, I knew you would like them. You see, my grandfather brought them from Puerto Rico in 1847. Yes, and he only smoked the best, you know. <laughs> Say, uh, when your grandfather settled here, he owned most of this town, didn't he, Abigail? Uh, yes, yes, I believe he did, my dear. Most of the land was acquired by, uh, by, uh, Croucher's rights, I believe. Don't you mean squatters, right? Well, yes, Mr. McGee, but Crouch seems so much more refined than, than squat. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you just see here's a little girl, McGee, playing Crouch Tag? <laughs> well, I, I must go now. Uh, William is, uh, oh, that is Mr. Mills, asked me to order 12 quarts of milk for tomorrow morning. 12 quarts of milk? Yes. He's bringing over a few friends to drink my health on Christmas Day. Ah, isn't that nice? That's very temperate of them, too, to drink your health in milk. Yeah, they can't be musicians. (laughs) Well, uh, who are they, Abby? Oh, I didn't get the names of all of them, but two of them are very old friends of Mr. Mills. (laughs) Yes, Tom and Jerry. Well, good night, Jerry. You know, McGee, she's a very good-hearted woman at heart. <laughs> yeah, I know. I heard the only reason she's so light-headed is her father was a feather merchant down in Kentucky. <laughs> he was? Yeah. Right? He was weighed down upon the Swanee River. Oh. <laughs> Don't you get it, Molly? I says he was a feather merchant oh. and weighed down hey, upon the... Ain't funny, McGee. Oh. Hey? <laughs> I was kind of tickled by that feather merchant myself. Oh, well, what's the... Come in. Oh, there, folks. Say, did the Bontown Department Store leave a package here for me? Ah, uh-huh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah, it had just come a few moments ago, Gildersleeve. Good thing it didn't come before, too, because we were out. Well, I'm certainly glad it finally got here. You see, I told the Bontown, if I wasn't at home, to bring it over here, McGee. I don't suppose you ever stopped to think, Gildersleeve, that we might not care to have your Christmas junk all over our living room. Now, McGee, for goodness sake. Well, I don't care. Next time he expects a ton of merchandise, let him stay home and get it. Now, look here, McGee. <laughs> I won't look here. All year long, I took your petty little annoyances, Gildersleeve. You think at least on Christmas you'd leave us in peace. Now, take your dad ratted package and go on home. You're a hard man, McGee. <laughs> but I'll go. But let me wish you a Merry Christmas. Both of you. Well, thank you, Mr. Gildersleeve. The same to you. And don't forget your package. Well, it isn't mine. Oh, no? Well, whose is it? It's yours, McGee. I was giving you that for Christmas. Oh, oh. <laughs> dear, oh, dear. You, you mean you... Oh, look, Gildersleeve, I, I never realized it. I, I mean... No, I... no, he never realized, Mr. Gildersleeve. But I'll keep reminding him on the 14th of every month. <laughs> I didn't know, Gildersleeve. I'm a rat, Gildersleeve. A triple-plated, 14-carat, fur-lined, rabbit-eared rat. I had no excuse for popping off like that. Let alone to you, my best friend. Why do people act like that? Especially at this time of year. I'm sorry, Gil. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's all right, McGee. No hard feelings. Why don't you unwrap it and see what it is? I wonder what it could be. Uh, you unwrap it, Gildersleeve. Surprise us. <laughs> All right, by George, I will, McGee. You can open your eyes now, McGee. Look. Hey, a combination radio and phonograph. 
Gee, that's wonderful, Gildersleeve. Thanks a million. Isn't it wonderful? I thought you'd like it, folks. I've got one just like it myself. Wonderful machines. Plays eight records in succession. Not really. Well, what do you know? Here, let me show you. All you have to do is put the records on here. Yeah. I uh, turn on the volume. Yeah, be sure the needle is tight. Now watch this closely, dear. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, turn it on here and relax for a half hour of lovely music. <laughs> My goodness, what's that? Oh. Look out, Mr. Gildersleeve. Now come on under the table with us, Gildersleeve. <laughs> what's the idea? Well... Oh! Mmm, mmm, mmm! <laughs> Oh, my goodness, this is terrible. How did you happen to think of getting under here so quick? Oh, this is where we always go. Look out! What? Before Fibber and I return, may I say just a word for our sponsors, the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat. I'd like to express their appreciation for your loyalty during the past year, both to their products and to this program, and to wish you one and all a very Merry Christmas. Ladies and gentlemen, before we say goodnight, we want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas from Molly and me and all our cast. Our cast isn't all here, dearie. What you mean? Well, where's Nick DiPopolis and Horatio K. Boomer and the old timer? Oh, him. He went to Chicago to spend the holidays with his folks. <laughs> Good night. Good night, all. <laughs> This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. There is Fairbur McGee and Molly from Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1940. And Hal Perry was heard there as Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. You had Isabel Randolph on there, Gail Gordon, Mel Blanc on that show. You got to hear the closet being opened up. And also, uh, they were talking about those characters, Horatio K. Boomer and the other characters. That was all played by Bill Thompson, and he was not on the show. He was actually visiting, uh, you know, his family back in Chicago. So all of those characters were not on the show because the one guy who played all those characters was not on the program, right? Got it. That's how it works, Lisa. (laughs) If the guy's not there... Then there's no voice. There's no, yeah, generally. I got it. Although Mel Blanc was the man of a thousand voices, he could have played a bunch of voices, I'm sure. Right. All right, let's, uh, let's take a quick break. Then it's more right here on the WGN Radio Theater. I thought of the perfect Christmas gift for you to buy me, Lisa. Oh, for me to buy for you. Yes. I, Hmm. this is the perfect gift. Is it under $10? No. It's Uh a lot more than $10, but you can afford it. Uh Uh-oh. So, you know, now that we play the shows uninterrupted, and I do apologize, folks, I did say here's part one of Firmagia Molly. We are now airing the shows uninterrupted, which I think is awesome. Yeah, we're... Because there's no news at the bottom of the hour. So we are so happy about that because we get to play these shows for you, our listeners, 
completely intact, uninterrupted. Yeah, no intermissions. So here's the thing. We have about okay. so, 30 minutes, right? So, you, so what I would like you to buy me is a treadmill. Well, how would I bring it here? No, we'll leave a, it a here. A portable treadmill? Just, no, no. Get me the real whole shebang. You know, well, you know what's in the middle of a shebang donut? The real thing. The whole shebang. So, but what I'd like you to do is buy me a treadmill, put yes. it right there. Well, then who's? It's not just for you. Then yeah, it's for anybody all can of use WGN. it. Sure, why not? But it would be my Christmas present from you. Uh-huh. And when the half-hour shows are on, I'll get on well, that. What thing. about me? You can. I think you could. You can use it too at the same time. No, <laughs> not when I'm using it. Ashley, maybe we can go in fifty-fifty. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, they're not too expensive. Like maybe five hundred each. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm worth it. I'm worth <laughs> it. You are worth. I it. buy you nice Christmas presents and Hanukkah presents and birthday <laughs> presents and you do all that good stuff. Hmm. I think that would be great because I'll tell you what: this sitting around. It's All not right. good. Do you want to know what I want? I've gained about, I'd say, 10 pounds in well, the Well, I last... just gave you some licorice from Roger, so I... that won't help any. It's late night radio <laughs> stuff. <laughs> it's not easy. It's so hard. Wait, wait, wait. But don't you know what? Lose don't you want to know what I want? Um, sure. No. What do you want, Lisa? I want a Toomey suitcase. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. are great. Yeah, Toomey is awesome. I know. Man. A suitcase? <laughs> like, what kind of a suitcase? Yeah, one that you can bring on the airplane. Oh, like a one of the. <laughs> Carry-ons. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, like one that you can actually bring with you on the airplane, not too big. Mm. Wait a minute. What am I supposed to be buying? And (laughs) and I can bring it with when we go on our cruise. Yeah, that's right. We're going on a cruise, folks. Yeah, and I want to bring my new Toomey suitcase. Don't miss that. We're going on a cruise. (laughs) We're going to Bermuda. Don't want to miss it. August 1st of 2020, we're going to Bermuda. Yeah. We're going on Oceana Cruise Line, which is quite luxurious. Yes. Uh, That's fairly fancy-dancy. Super fancy. We want to do it right. Yeah, it's a classic radio cruise and we're classy and classic <laughs> both at the same time we want to get to know our listeners and yes. you can get to know us better we're going to eat a lot of food together but we're going to eat a lot of food together <laughs> we're on gonna eat, we're going to have cocktail parties we're going to do a reenactment we're going to have prizes and contests and mostly we're just going to have some fun we're going to hang at the pool and the spa and the casino and the sauna and we're going to explore bermuda we're going to see saint george and hamilton a few islands in bermuda and we hope that you'll check it out so you can uh call our travel agency we got a spectacular group rate for our classic radio cruise the number is 800-856-1155 we're working with keen luxury travel i'll give you the number one more time 800-856-1155 right or you can go to wgnradiotheater.com it's our website and just scroll down, and you'll see... Yeah, right? it's pretty far down. It's all right. So you okay. scroll down and click it, and it'll okay. give you the number and all that good stuff. Yeah. All right, let's listen to another Christmas song. Let's listen to the most famous Christmas song of all time. Here's Bing Crosby, White Christmas. Bells 
Crosby, and I think uh, we talked about this the other day. I think that has sold over 50 million copies. It's the most uh, most popular song of all time, most records ever sold, right? Yeah. I think Thriller was number two. Yeah, we, I know I played that um, for our Christmas songs when we had our Thanksgiving edition. Yeah, and, uh, yeah that's number what, one song yep, of all time. It's true. Bing Crosby, Bing Crosby. All right, let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. All right, that's a wrap. We'll be here next week starting at 10 p.m. on Saturday, five straight hours. We are not on Sundays anymore, just Saturday for five hours beginning at 10 p.m. So please join us. We have some great shows coming up. We have Theater of Romance. We have Suspense, the Jack Benny program, and a one-hour uh, program of the Lux Radio Theater. So great All stuff. Christmas shows, too. All Christmas We'll have Christmas shows, shows all the way through December, and then we'll have some New Year shows. And then uh, regular shows until, like, Easter. We'll have oh, some Easter shows, don't you too. forget about Valentine's Day. I know you're That's a real romantic. That's right. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in.